0: A letter in the Daily Telegraph this morning includes key signatories such as the former Bishop of Rochester, Michael Nazir Ali, the Reverend Gavin Ashendon, the former chaplain to the Queen who has resigned uh, his status in the Church of England, and other key leaders in the conservative movement in the Church of England. It reads, Recent actions in the General Synod in pursuit of a culture that denies biblical ethics as they have been practiced and understood at all, to- at all places and in all times have caused many Anglicans great concern. There are times, particularly in the face of social disintegration, when it is the duty of the church to be countercultural. The failure of the House of Bishops to uphold the teaching of the Bible and of the universal church in this area is very disappointing, if not surprising booing of traditionalists and the levels of personal abuse aimed at them during the Synod have only deepened mistrust between the different sides. There are now effectively two opposed expressions of Anglicanism in this country. One has capitulated to secular values, and one continues to hold the faith once delivered to the saints. We and others stand with the majority of faithful Anglicans across the globe in prioritising scripture and the unanimous teaching of the universal church over secular fashion. We note the results of this same conflict in North America, even as we look for and pray for a similar renewal of Orthodox Anglicanism and of Anglican structures in these islands. Now, it would be uh, not unsurprising to say, well, the letter contains just signatures from the usual suspects. This is a small fringe of conservative Anglicanism. Uh, They're always going to split They're schismatics. That's what, what they want. Just leave them to it it would be uh, quite understandable to take that viewpoint, but do not be misled. Although the letter does have mainly signatures from the very conservative side of evangelicalism, yet there is a deep disquiet in more charismatic, in more open evangelical circles over what has happened at General Synod and the potential new trajectory for the Church of England that implies. And as leading evangelicals gather in summer camps as their leaders meet together at new wine at keswick at similar places do not think that they are not talking about this do not think that they are ignoring this that they see these conservatives signing these letters as a fringe to be ignored rather I have been party to and have understood that there are conversations going on even now even today amongst those who are not part of the usual suspects who are genuinely concerned middle-of-the-road evangelicals wondering what is happening to our church so I say all that to introduce a piece that was passed on to me this week it's a piece by a Anglican priest and academic, a man by the name of Ephraim Radner. And it's a piece from back in the year 2000 called Bad Bishops. What to do about bad bishops? Because obviously the com- the complaint of many who signed this l- letter and many who didn't but share the concerns is that we in the Church of England are now struggling with bad bishops, with bishops who either teach heresy or or who are not prepared to stand up for the truth even when they are orthodox. Remember, one of the complaints about the General Synod over two weeks ago was, where were the bishops? Why were the bishops not standing up and taking a lead? Ethan Radner tries to explore what the nature of episcopacy is in this essay, and you can find it attached to this podcast. Ethan Radner tries to explore the nature of episcopacy and then to uh, having done that to explore what do we do about bad bishops how do we handle that and I commend to you the whole essay to read but let me let me outline for you his argument in brief firstly he says that episcopacy is a figure of Jesus that it is a, an example of Jesus's servant leadership that it is designed to equip and to, and to give to the church everything that, that that it needs to guide, to shepherd, to resource, to at times admonish. All the good things that we read in the ordinal. And this is good and we agree with, with this. But the second aspect of episcopacy that Ephraim Radner points out to us, I think is deeply challenging. Deep, Ephraim Radner points out that episcopacy is to teach us self subjugation in a sense he, he says episcopacy teaches us obedience to weakness that it teaches us how to be graceful how to be humble how to submit even when the one who we submit to is wrong and even Radner begins to flesh out this argument by quoting Dom Columba Marmion, who is a um, ascetic writer from the first part of the twentieth century, and this is from a long essay on the relationship between uh, episcopacy. In this, in this case, he's um, pointing us, Marmion is pointing us to a monk and his abbot, episcopacy. Um, he's marmion is exploring how we submit ourselves to bad bishops let me let let me quote marmion our senses cry out that is not christ only bread is there but christ has said this is my body in the same way christ veils himself in our superiors the abbot despite his imperfections represents christ for us St. Benedict is formal on this point. Christ is hidden under the imperfections and weaknesses of the human being. By reason of our habitual contact with him, we naturally see his deficiencies and limitations and then we are tempted to, to cry, this man is not Christ, his judgment is limited, is fallible, he can be mistaken, he is mistaken, he allows himself to be biased. Yet faith discovers Christ beneath the imperfections. To obey the abbot, because we have the same idea as he, because we admire his talents, because we find him reasonable, is unworthy of us. Why so? Because as soon as we place ourselves on the natural plane, every person is the same and we should submit to no creature, as such, even a a dazzling genius, but if God says, this person represents me, be he a man without talents, having the most blatant defects belonging to an altogether inferior set, I would yield. Now that's a really interesting view there that Marmion puts across. The idea that this subjection to broken, fallen, perhaps even heretical human beings is part of the way that God has shaped the church in order to teach us that level of submission, that level of self-abasement that even Christ himself poured out for us on the cross. Of course, Ephraim Radner doesn't just leave Marmion there. He wants to grapple with this. So, for example, Radner wants to engage with the idea that there are standards for bishops. And this indeed is the complaint of many with the bishops at the moment in the Church of England. Here's Ephraim Radner then, further on in the essay, on standards for bishops. No doubt there are standards for the episcopacy for which it is necessary to hold bishops accountable and according to which bishops should be nurtured and upheld. No doubt there are doctrinal truths or moral conditions that the church and her people are led to struggle for and guard. And the object of such struggle is worth defining and promoting. Further, the character and process of that struggle and guardianship are not simply up for grabs. We have canons and processes which can even be changed and improved through legitimate bodies of decision making. Be that as it may what this present reflection suggests is that there is a fundamental set of informing parameters for our relationships with bad bishops that underscores our relationships with all bishops, because it derives from the very core of the church's vocation to follow Jesus. Whoever may be the bad bishop to whom we are subjected, and there are many candidates whose names could here be enumerated, there is a legitimate process to follow in opposition, a process, however, that may be likely to result in juridical standoffs. In the meantime and subsequently questions of relation are pressed such as should the bishop be allowed to preach in the churches of the diocese in my church? Do I pray for him as my father or mother in Christ? Do I take communion from his hands? Do I attend his diocesan address? Do I pay his salary? these kinds of questions are pressed because proper subject because proper subjection has bite in terms of these elements of relationship the president of the us for example is impeachable as well we know in these times and he's and this is radner speaking writing back in the times of um Uh, Bill Clinton, but until legitimately removed from office, remains Mr. President, with all the authority to sign bills, conduct foreign policy, address the Congress and people, and be paid whether he is good or bad. Again, the error proves this to be the case. What we call moral authority as opposed to sanctioned authority, is, in canon law, something that is only retrospectively recognised. And self-subjection, according to the Gospel, is not something that is granted only to the morally authoritative. It is itself the basis of Christian moral authority. And thus, while the early church canons can, can call bad bishops no bishops at all, this moral judgment is attached to individuals only later and never translates into legitimate rebellion but instead sharpens the moral character of the mutually subjected church. Ouch, Radner. Ouch. What Radner is essentially saying here is that while we may see in our own minds that a particular bishop is bad, there is a sense that for the true order of the church, we subject ourselves to the bad bishop, whilst we may seek using the, the channels and purposes of the church to remove or to alter that bishop. Now that's a really deeply challenging notion to those who see the role of of christians of clergy of presbyters to stand up and speak the truth very clearly and to challenge bishops because what this is saying is yes you can challenge them but they are still your bishop so if this is true then what is the true essence of episcopacy so so what does it truly mean for us to have bishops Radner, Radner addresses that I quote: With regard to the first question, the ideal of the episcopacy, we ought to conclude that the essence of the episcopacy lies not in the embodied ideal of the bishop, whether functionally or morally defined. The essence, instead, lies in the dynamic of relationship that the real, concrete bishop establishes at the centre of a mutually subjected body of Christian believers. To put it with provocative bluntness, whether or not a bishop is a wholesome example to the flock or an effective or even truthful guardian of the faith is irrelevant to the essence of the episcopacy in its individual exemplars. Again, that's really challenging from Radnor because what he seems to be implying is that even when we think that our bishop is a is a is a heretic even when he is permitting liturgies to be used that are that that are apostate even when he is letting the whole doctrine of the church crumble around us he is still the bishop and deserves the subjection in christ That is a deeply challenging idea and no radnor is not saying here that we should roll over and submit and just fall apart and do everything that the bishop tells us to do no because he does talk about contention he does talk about processes canonical processes, other methods to challenge the bishop but he says and yet he is still the bishop I guess the response to Radner is well how then do we handle ultimately handle bad bishops how do we handle someone who won't subject themselves even to the canonical processes of the church well again Radner addresses this i quote again obviously the ideal of doctrinal and moral integrity is highly re- relevant to the overall ongoing purposes of the episcopacy in god's ultimate designs God did not order the church episcopally with the final purpose of subjecting her to incompetent leaders. But unless, in individual instances, the continued subjection to bad bishops were not also essential to the salvific character of the church, the church itself would be a dead vessel in those ultimate divine designs. Since, however, those ultimate designs include the unity of the church in the form of the servant Christ, the relations of mutual subjection even centred in faithless leaders, must work essentially for the church's positive destiny. And what could be a better tool for this than the lightning rod of bad bishops? We need to stress again that the process of confronting, correcting and perhaps even removing bad bishops is also a part of the episcopal essence for the church. But this process is governed by the order of the church that it is itself subject to the character of mutual subjection and unity that bad bishops actually serve to unveil if the process were not itself slow painful and often ineffective it would not be reconcilable to the very character of the church's figural reality as an image of its lord in other words the imperative of the process of opposing bad bishops cannot be seen as undermining the essential quality of mutually subjecting relationships the episcopacy in every case must embody and promote again that is challenging Because it speaks to us that the bishop as the focus of unity must, in the hearts of the church, be treated as a focus of unity and a point of mutual subjection. If not, then the whole notion of the church as an institution which embodies and lives out the subjection of Christ to his Father becomes meaningless. And again, this is really challenging this is really challenging because it means that things like breaking away are are possibly very very contrary to what christ intends for his church to to uh, to uh, break away from a church implies that that church is not the church That is a really harsh thing to do when there remains within that not church many, many faithful believers. And this, I think, is the struggle at the moment within evangelicals and traditional Catholics in the Church of England as they think where we might be in 10 years' time and how to respond is actually... Many, many evangelicals are not very, very loose Anglicans. We're actually very, very serious Anglicans. We take our episcopacy seriously. And that's why we would take stuff like this seriously. That's why we're not prepared just to walk away the moment things don't suit us. That's why we want to fight for the church that we love, to use the processes within it. In some senses, what... Radner is saying is you stay in the church until the church kicks you out now is that an, an an evangelical approach to church order well let me just quote once more from ephraim Radner. quote finally there is the question about how the gospel of jesus christ is clarified by the reality of bad bishops We can simply summarise much of what has already been said in this essay's array of citations. Since we are talking about the person of Jesus, the body of Jesus Christ, in the figure of his church, self-subjection and unity around a bishop of any kind is a profoundly evangelical act, a gospel act, a sign of corporate humility before God set in front of the nations, like for example in Isaiah 66, 19 a sign of corporate humility before God that will bring Jew and Gentile together. To be subject is to reign, in Saint Benedict's phrase. And this maxim is not to be taken in a weak or rhetorical sense, it is rather the very proclamation of the Lord Jesus Christ, stating clearly who he is. To be subject is to reign, that is, in the fullness of God's truth and glory, through which, in the action of Christ Jesus himself, he will draw all people to himself. Is there really any question about it? The Gospel itself is at stake in how we relate to bad bishops. So I want to go back to that letter that we read out at the start. And I want to read it in the context of dealing with bad bishops. Let me read it again. Quote. Recent actions in the General Synod in pursuit of a culture that denies Biblical ethics as they have been practiced and understood at all times and in all places have caused many Anglicans great concern. There are times, particularly in the face of social disintegration, when it is the duty of the Church to be countercultural. The failure of the House of Bishops to uphold the teaching of the Bible and of the Universal Church in this area is very disappointing, if not surprising. Now this, I think, those two paragraphs are an excellent example of how to deal with bad bishops. They are the way that Ephraim Radner points out how to deal with bad bishops. Now let's jump to the final paragraph. Quote. We and others stand with the majority of faithful Anglicans across the globe in prioritising scripture and the unanimous teaching of the universal church over secular fashion we note the results of this same conflict in north america even as we look for and pray for a similar renewal of orthodox anglicanism and of anglican structures in these islands close quote now you can read that as schismatic you can read that as as the new angle as new anglican structures and and orthodox anglicanism standing separate to the church of england you can read it like that i choose to read it in the form of loyal submission and challenging through the right processes. I choose to read it as a challenge to the bishops of the Church of England to stand for Orthodox Anglicanism, to renew Anglican structures so they are useful for mission and gospel proclamation in these islands. I don't read this as a if you do if you don't do what we say we will leave challenge i read this as a bishops get your acts together understand that though we will submit ourselves to you we challenge you to be the bishops that you are called by god to be, to stand for Jesus, to stand for his teaching, to stand for his faith, to oppose the cultural mores of our society in the same way that the church for 2,000 years has been doing so. I see this as a challenge to bad bishops to be good bishops. I think. Now is the time for evangelicals, for traditional Catholics, to think seriously in the Church of England about how we engage with bad bishops. Is our model going to be schism, which implies that the church that we are leaving is no church at all? Or is our model to be to stay within and to engage and to challenge and to promote the gospel and to refuse to be removed until there is no other alternative, until we are literally kicked out for being faithful to Jesus. At the heart of the challenge of how we deal with bad bishops is the very notion of the church universal, how it is constituted, and the very notion of how we embody Jesus's submission to his Father in our submission to the bishops and institutions of our church. That means that men and women who choose to stay in the Church of England, who choose to fight the good fight from within, are not sellouts are not those who do not want to to take the hard choices that they might actually be people who take very seriously Jesus's call to represent him in the in the structures he has given us I'm Peter old and this is Radio Free Canterbury